And so I'm going to jump into the message today. We're going to wrap up our series, All the Feels. And I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 4. This is the story of King Saul and David. David has just killed Goliath, and he is the hero. And King Saul now has a new guy on his hands that he has to consider. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 4. King Saul now kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home anymore. He was Saul's special assistant, and he always carried out his assignments successfully. So Saul made him commander of his troops, an appointment that was applauded by the army and general public alike. Now, this sounds like David is on top of the mountain right now, and that he, he's just so successful that he's climbed to the top. But what we don't realize here is that King Saul has strategically put David in this position, not to give him more success, but in an attempt to eliminate him because of the success that he has had. Now watch this. Verse 6, But something had happened when the victorious Israeli army was returning home after David had killed Goliath. Women came out from all the towns along the way to celebrate and to cheer for King Saul and were singing and dancing for joy with tambourines and cymbals. However, this was their song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Of course, Saul was very angry. What's this, he said to himself. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Watch this. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, King Saul kept a jealous watch on David. He realized, man, this guy, he's getting all the publicity. And people like him. They forgot about me. So I need to keep an eye on this guy. Let me hire him. What's the old saying? Keep your enemies close? Yeah. Let me hire this guy so I can keep an eye on him, so I can control him. Hey, I got an idea for you, Dave. I have a whole new position for you. I'm going to make you the commander of the army on the front lines. Sounds like success, am I right? Sounds like promotion, but really it was an opportunity to eliminate. And today what I want to talk about, I want to talk about control. Because this is what King Saul was trying to do. He was trying to control the situation because he was afraid. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather together. And Lord, just thank you for every person who is here for the school that we get to meet in. Father, I just pray that this time that we've had so far today, worshiping you, reminding ourselves, being in remembrance of what you've done for us with communion. And now as we hear this word, Father, I just pray, God, that you will make it all come alive. That this won't just be a church service, but this will be uh, a revelation for us, for our hearts, for our eyes, for our ears, to see, hear, and understand who you want us to be and how you want us to live. And I pray that this message today, Father, would help us to be better men and women for you, that our character will improve from hearing this message today, that we'll make conscious decisions, Lord, to live our lives the way that you want us to. So, Lord, I ask for your help communicating this message today. Help me to say it with the tone of heaven, to say it your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's recap a little bit. The series, All the Feels in week one, faith versus feelings. We talked about faith is a better foundation to build your life on than your feelings. Come on. How many of you just wasn't feeling it this morning? Come on. You, you, you can, we know who you are already, but just wasn't feeling it. Tomorrow morning, you might not be feeling it. That's okay, because by noon, you might feel it. And that's the thing with our emotions. They tend to be all over the place. But when it comes to our faith, especially our faith in God, we can be consistent. 
And if we can build on that solid rock of Jesus Christ and our faith in him, whatever storms may come our way, we will be able to stand and watch this. We won't fall all apart. But if we build our life on our emotions, listen, one little thing can occur and you can lose your mind. Like anybody ever just got angry and trying to figure out what you got angry about? You're not sure, but you're just mad. You know what I'm talking about? And, and then it's like, whoa, what was that? But don't come talk to me right now because I'm mad. What for? I don't know. Leave me alone. That's emotions, though. Our emotions are just so just unpredictable because we don't know what's going to happen. But when it comes to faith, it's regardless of what happens, I know that God's got me in his hands. And so if I build my life on my faith, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be solid. And so let's build our life on our faith in Christ Jesus. Week two, we talk about desires and our desires versus our delight. Following desires, watch this, will never fully satisfy us. It's only when we truly delight ourselves in the Lord where we see that, hey, by truly following Jesus, by trusting him, living his life, then the desires of my heart are going to come to pass. And so a lot of times we spend our life chasing desires instead of following Jesus. Did you hear that? You're going to be tempted constantly to follow your desires, but God is calling us to follow Jesus. And it's a trap. Following your desires is a trap because it promises you so much. It tells you if you get this, you're going to be happy. And if you get this, this is going to change your life forever. Sounds like a commercial on TV, am I right? That's what they do. They play on your desires and your emotions. And they try to tell you that if you use this or if you buy this, this is going to change your life. Only until the next product comes out that tells you it's going to change your life. And really, the only person that can change your life is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so when we truly find delight in the Lord, that's where we begin to see our desires refined. And that's where we really see that, hey, God knows my desires better than I do. Because of my, all my crazies, crazy emotions, I am drawn to stuff because I think that stuff's going to make me feel better. I think it's going to make me look better. I think it's going to make me better when in reality the only thing that truly makes you better is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Some of you are like, don't say that. Don't say that. There's other good stuff out there too. There is good stuff out there, but it ain't the best. Only Jesus is the best. Last week, anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. And this is the big point we said last week. Anxiety is not a sin. It's a symptom. It's a signal that's alerting you that it's time to pray. We use the example of the check engine light. When the check engine light comes on, go get it checked. Yesterday, I went and brought my son's car. The check engine light was on. I went and get it checked, and all it was was the gas cap. Don't you know that's a good feeling? When your check engine light is on and you bring in, they pull up that little code C4911 or whatever it is. It's always weird and you got to Google it to find out what it really means. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like gas cap, $24.99. Man, you're in the like auto parts store high-fiving people. They're like, what's wrong with this? Just a gas cap, man. Just a gas cap. I mean, it could have been crazy, but it was just gas cap. Anxiety. It's not a sin. It's a signal. It's a signal. And some of us, we got some anxiety going on in our lives right now. What? We're two weeks in. We've got a little anxiety going on with school and our kids. I don't know. I don't know. And listen, that anxiety is just saying, hey, look, you need to call a timeout. You need to pray. Got some things going on at work that's just stressing you out. Maybe a big project you got to complete with a deadline that's sooner rather than later. You don't know if you could do this. This project could bring out the best in you. Somebody needed to hear that today. This project could bring out the best in you. And that's why you better pray, because you need God's help to knock it out. But that anxiety is just a signal of, hey, i got to pray. 
I got to get on my knees. God, I need some help. And you say, Pastor, I've been stressing out a lot. Time out. Evaluate your prayer time. Evaluate your prayer time. Because if your stress is a lot, it's probably because your prayer time is little. Let's take a clue. Check engine lights on. I got to check it out. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to pray and ask God for some help. Look at your neighbor. Help me preach this. Say, hey, you need to pray. You need to pray. So let's break this, this scripture verse down. It's a little dark up here. We've got a light that's malfunctioning. And so I'm up here, I promise you. Okay. So the story of David. Okay. He just killed Goliath. He's everyone's hero right now. Everybody loves him. And King Saul has become jealous of him. And now Saul's son, this is the part we didn't read, but this is what you need to know. Saul's son, Jonathan, has now just become BFFs with David. Now, for those of you who don't understand dynasties and kingdoms, the way this is supposed to work is that the king's son is supposed to become the next king. What Saul doesn't realize is that David has been anointed to be the next king, even though he's not Saul's son. Scandal. TV show stuff going on right here, y'all. Okay, this is getting good. So then Jonathan becomes best friends with David. Watch this. Let me take it a step further. He tells David, here, why don't you wear my robe? Uh-oh. <laughs> Thank you, Joey, for that uh-oh. <laughs> Jonathan doesn't realize what's going on because Saul isn't trying to be all obvious about his issue with David. You know what I'm saying? Because that wouldn't be king-like. And so he's trying to keep it under the radar and act like, yeah, David, David killed Goliath. He's awesome. He's trying to take my kingdom from me. Now my son's good friends with him. Let's give him a job. <laughs> so David's walking around now. He looks like the guy who's going to be the next king. He's already anointed to be the next king. And don't you know Saul does a little research, a little intel, and finds out that Samuel, the prophet, had visited David's house. Are you connecting this now? It's like, uh oh, Saul now knows. And so he says, hey, why don't you come and work for me? Play a little mood music for me. One time David was playing his harp, trying to calm Saul down. Listen, Saul was all the feels, by the way, okay? He had emotional issues. So David's in there playing a little harp for him, giving him a little mood music. Shout out to the music therapist. And so oh, oh, Saul gets angry and loses his mind, picks up a spear and throws it at David. I think it was becoming apparent that Saul had a problem with David. And so now gives him this position that he wants him to be a commander, puts him on the front lines of this army. I mean, he's just really trying to put him in this position to, to be killed. Wait, I didn't tell you this part because now it gets even crazier. Because Saul had promised that whoever killed Goliath, he would let him marry his daughter. What in the world? I mean, you talk about just some big, bold promises. I mean, this guy, he just was opening up the door for David to come on in. And so he had promised that David could marry his daughter. And he looked, the first daughter he had that was supposed to marry, he kind of put some things into motion so that couldn't happen. And then his other daughter, I guess he didn't like his second daughter. I don't know. It's weird. The Bible is full of truth, though. I'm telling you, people tell the truth in the Bible. They don't sugarcoat it, okay? If you need a sugarcoat book, book's a million, okay? And so, anyway... I'm serious. So anyway, in this story, David, David's like, hey, I thought I was going to marry your daughter. No, you can't have the first one, but here, here's the second one. And so, I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, we laugh at this stuff, but this is how these people were operating. This is where Saul is with this stuff. 
And really what Saul was doing was he was trying to figure out a way to control this whole situation, even though he was in a place of losing control. He was doing all different things behind the scenes. I mean, he was working every angle to try to control this whole situation. In fact, his attention became so much more on David and controlling David that he lost control of the kingdom. He he was so consumed with where David was, chasing David down. In fact, David had a couple opportunities to kill King Saul and decided not to because he had respect for God and respect for the man that God had anointed. And so he didn't kill him. I mean, he had his chance, and rightfully he could have because, I mean, Saul was trying to kill him. And eventually Saul took his own life. This is what happened. He was so obsessed with trying to control David and trying to keep this thing that God had ordained from happening that he was running around trying to do this, trying to do that. He lost control and eventually took his own life. So let's start today with a question. How many of you have some area that you like to be in control of? Raise somebody's hand for them. Just raise somebody's hand for them. I didn't say raise yours. Raise their hand. I mean, y'all know somebody. Some of you like. <laughs> Just like to be in control. I know. Look, I see it. Thank you for that. Go to work. It's got to be done your way at your time. Do it right or I'll do it myself. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I know. I know. I've fallen in here right here. This is me. At home, can only vacuum the carpet one way. <laughs> Straight lines from the vacuum cleaner. You know or mowing the yard. I'm going to tell you now, my kids are a little deficient in lawn mowing. And I'm going to tell you why, because I won't let them do it. I want my yard to look like a baseball field, man. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, you need to hire somebody. No, it's me time. I like that stuff, man. People, you know, you got people in your lives who are trying to micromanage them. Make sure everything is just right. Sometimes that happens in marriage. Try to micromanage your spouse. I can tell you now, you're going to see a counselor if you try to do that. (laughs) Manipulation, threatening, all these different things. All with the attempt to control. And everybody's got their thing. One of the things I got, I'm just going to be honest, is ironing. Ironing clothes. If I see somebody walking around with a nice shirt or something on and it is not ironed, I'm telling you, it drives me crazy. I just want to take your shirt home for you, iron it, and bring it back and say, there you go. Wear that thing. I'm serious. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's just me. Cynthia, when we got married, Cynthia would only iron the front of the shirt. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What? She's like, I don't understand when you wear a sports coat while you're on the whole shirt. I'm like, baby, I get hot. I'm taking the jacket off and all my sleeves. It's just this part's going to be ironed. That's weird. <laughs> iron the whole shirt. I'll tell you another thing that, that I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm con- it's con- confessions of a pastor right now. I'm OCD when it comes to chairs in a room. I went to a dance recital for my daughter years ago, and I walked in that school cafeteria, and there was no rhyme or reason to them chairs. And I was losing my mind. There you go. We preaching the lights out in this place. I'm telling you, look, I'm going to move this over here so y'all can see me. I was losing my mind. I'm looking around. I was sweating. I'm like, what are these people doing here? 
and we're early. Like, that's how my family rolls. We're first person there, and we're the last person to leave. Like, the other night, we went to my son's ball game. Everybody's left the ball, the ball field, and it's like, we're the last ones. And, and Elijah's like, well, look at here. Here we are again, last ones to leave. Anyway, we were there early for this dance recital, and I'm like, all right, something's got to happen here. I'm looking around. I'm waiting for somebody to come do it. No one's doing it, and so it's like, all right, here we go. I mean, there's lines on the floor. Use the lines. And so I arranged all the chairs in the room and felt better about it. And I tell you this, every person that came to that dance recital was thankful for me and didn't even know it. They didn't know. Chairs were everywhere. What are you thinking? Let me give you some common descriptions for people who need to be in control. Let me give you some descriptions, just in case you didn't know. Some of you, you've been called this before, and so I may touch a nerve. First one, control freak. Go ahead and wink at your neighbor and say, <laughs> OCD. Here's another one, bossy. The master manipulator. The handler. The puppet master. This is my favorite one right here, the cruise director. <laughs> I love it, man. Here's, a, here's one I heard this week, the circus master. How many of y'all know the circus master? Y'all know a little cruise director. Anybody got a cruise director in their family? Who is the cruise director? How many of you, you know you're the cruise director? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> you're like, I thought we were talking about control. This service is getting out of control. Lights are going out. All right, let's talk about this. A few things to know about controlling, okay? First thing is this. Don't you know it's easier to recognize a control freak than it is to admit that you might be one? It's easier to recognize them than it is to admit that you might be one. Here's another one. Controlling adrenalizes you to prove, watch this, to prove that you can control the outcome. Hey, let's just unplug that light. Because it's not strobing in sync with my words and my cadence is getting thrown off. And so we got new lights coming right on time. Controlling adrenalizes you to prove that you can dictate the outcome. Like there's an adrenaline that comes with being a control freak. Like, I'm telling, I'll go back to the chair situation. I was sitting there, and some of you say it's your blood boiling. It is not your blood. It's your adrenaline. It's like, I can do something. Somebody's got to do something. I am that somebody. Let me do this. And then you start doing it. And listen, in the chairs, it was harmless because it helped. But there are other situations where we get adrenalized to do something, and we make a mess. Families trying to control outcomes, trying to control things. we got so much adrenaline, we don't know what to do with it. So we're trying to do this, trying to do it. At work, we're trying to do it. And this is the problem, though. We feel like we're doing something noble. We feel like we're doing something that is so important. And then when we get our evaluation, we hear things that we didn't want to hear, and we're all upset because we thought our adrenaline was going to pay off. And it's hurting us. We thought that was going to be the ticket, and it's not. Here's another thing. Trying to control everything will cause you to eventually lose control. It will cause you to lose control. It will cause you to be mad at people you shouldn't even be mad at. A lot of times, these people have nothing to do with what you feel. Wow, I didn't know it was going to get that quiet when I said that. They have nothing to do with what you feel. 
you're struggling with week one of the series. You're living by feelings instead of by faith. And now you're mad at him, mad at her, mad at the kids, mad at the co-workers because they're not adapting to your feelings. Boy, we are lighting this thing up today. <laughs> I'm going to come down there so we can, y'all can see. So watch this. In our attempt, it's going to make some noise. Okay. In our attempt to try to control everything, this is what we do. We put so much effort put so much time. Like, I want you to think about this. We're, we're, we're putting so much time, effort, and energy to try to make sure that everything goes the way that we think it needs to go. Come on. Like, just really, and, and for us, it's like, oh, somebody's got to do it. No one else is doing it. And so it, it, it energizes you. It's adrenaline. And so you feel like, this is noble. This is right. This is good. But it's not needed. It makes you feel better momentarily. Weddings. I've done a few weddings. I can tell you, how many of y'all ever had a Bridezilla experience? <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you are Bridezilla. <laughs> Listen, I've done some weddings where you sit down and they basically tell you, okay, this is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to do. No kids are going to be there. We're eliminating any kind of noise and like all this stuff. And like, and then, but we're going to do it outside. And then it's raining. They're mad at the preacher because it's raining. Like, what can I do? I'm just here to get you people married. Like, I can't control the weather. Put all this effort and energy because we're trying to control it. And without realizing it, that thing, that person, that situation is now controlling us. Because our life has become consumed with it. By the way, this is what happens when we have unforgiveness towards someone. When you have unforgiveness towards someone, you used to love going to that place. In fact, you found that place and told this friend about it that they needed to go to. It could be church, restaurant, wherever, gym, no matter. So they started coming with Now you had a falling out with this person. Now there's unforgiveness. You can't even go to the place that you found because they're there. Like there are people here that won't go to Walmart because they know that person. They were going, oh, I know I'm going to see them. And you're spending more money, and I'm not promoting Walmart. I promise you, that place drives me crazy. But you're, you would be willing to spend more money than risk the chance of running into that person at the store. So you just won't go. Think about this. This is the point where, where you're trying to control that person so much that now that this person, you have allowed this situation to control you. And oftentimes that person has no clue. No clue at all. They're like, what happened to us? Oh, no, we're good. No, we're not. Here's another one. Don't confuse controlling and influencing. There's a difference between the two. Controlling someone and trying to influence them. Here's the difference. Controlling, it's based in fear. Okay? It's rooted in fear. I'm afraid of something happening. I'm afraid that the worst is going to happen, so I need to do something to keep it from happening. Well, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Watch this. I just got a feeling. What kind of feeling? I don't know. Just something tells me. Okay. We have these feelings that just control us, and it's fear-based. And so, because I'm afraid little Johnny isn't going to get his opportunity, because I'm afraid little Susie won't get friends, and all this different, we, we start doing things to try to control, puppet master, manipulate, cruise director, all these different things. We try to control it. And next thing our life, no, our whole life has become consumed with making sure 
that all this stuff is happening, that we no longer live with purpose. We have walked away from the very things that God has called us to do in faith because we're operating in fear. Come on. So here's what influencing is. Influence is faith-based. It's based off of your faith because I believe the best is yet to come. Can I tell you, it's better to parent out of faith than out of fear. It's better to have a marriage relationship that's built on faith than fears. Come on. Because when fear is, is present, it always tells you this, is, this could happen and that could happen. Somebody's like, that's wisdom. No, wisdom is not based in fear. Wisdom is aware of the fears, come on, but has faith to do something that guarantees a different outcome. There's a difference there. You have to know. So watch this. In parenting, we're scared that kids won't be successful, so we try to control them. So we start doing everything for them, like homework and projects. I'll be honest, I've done school projects for my kids before, not because I was trying to control them, just because I needed it to be over. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you're a teacher in here and you do science fair, have mercy on a family. It happens during football season. We want education. We do. But that's a busy time of the year. Helicopter parenting. Do the kids' homework. Never let them fail. Make them wear a helmet to go out and check the mail. I mean, for real. I, I, I'm serious. I have so many comparisons from my childhood to what my kids experience today. Goodness gracious. Sometimes I wonder, how did my parents make it? Like, they would be in prison. The way that they, they just told us, if you don't like it, go find another place. If you say that now, oh, my God, that's verbal abuse. No, that was called straighten your butt up. All right, somebody's clapping. Your kids have moved out now. Do you know that right now um, on interviews, most employees that are under 25, one in eight have a parent that goes with them? Look at your neighbor and just say, what? Listen, I'm not picking on this. I'm just announcing it. That's all I'm, I found it. I didn't do it. Here's what I'm saying, guys. What I'm saying is we have, we have so adopted fear as our guide that it's taken over our lives and we don't even realize it. Listen to me. We have so adopted fear as our guide that it is taken over and we don't even realize it. We're taking on opportunities because we're afraid of something not working out. Where our faith is saying, go for it. Yeah. Our faith is saying, go for it. God will provide. God will do it for you. But we put ourselves in positions that God will never ever have to be who he is so that we can be who we think we need to be in order to be successful. And what do we do? We remove ourselves from God's help because we need to control it. And when somebody says God is in control, we get mad at them because God ain't in control. If he was, he would make this happen. He would make that happen. And he would have lined it all up. And God's like, I would line it up, but you keep manipulating it behind the scenes. I can't do anything with you. Woo! Let's jump into this Bible verse right here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God. And he will make your path straight. 
Are you catching a trend here? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Submit to God, and he will make your path straight. It's so plain. It's so simple. But our emotions get in the way of this. It does. You say, I don't feel like everything's straight in my life. I feel like it's a roller coaster ride. You do know why. Because our emotions are a roller coaster ride. Listen, all the up and down in my life is because I'm an emotional person. Why would a dude walk into a dance recital and start losing his mind? Think of this. Dude, just go to your daughter's dance recital. Am I right? Just sit down and enjoy the moment. Shed a tear. Give her a flower. Go eat ice cream or yogurt after it and go home. It's going to be good. No, I'm sitting there like, oh, this chair, this is crooked. Straighten that up. Make me feel better. You see what I'm saying? Holidays are coming up. Cruise directors in full force. <laughs> Always go to their house. When you start a new tradition, you know what new tradition means? Let's do it my way. Come on, come on, somebody. Mm. Well, let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about it. This verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of the most quoted, most popular verses. We like it, man. When we're struggling, somebody brings that verse to us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean out in your own understanding. Oh, thank you. Thank you, brother. Needed that. We don't want anything to do with that verse. Except the straight path. Because for us to be able to deal with that verse, that means we got to deal with ourselves. Here's the cycle, okay? The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And the more we're afraid, the more we try to control. That's the cycle. And listen, can I say something right here? Let, let's get controversial for a second. Most of the time, people think of women when they think of controlling. There are dudes out there that are controlling. Hey, ladies, don't amen right here. Don't. I know you're tempted to. Don't. I found this is a people problem. In fact, I know four-year-olds that are doing a pretty good job of this. Seriously. It's not limited to age. It's not limited to anything. It's just people because of our emotions. And at the end of the day, we want what we want. So I want you to do something this morning. Name what it is that you're trying to control. Name what it is. You might want to jot it down. Maybe you need some time to think about it because you're so out of control, you don't even know. <laughs> you'll be like all week, what am I trying to control? And then you can lose control trying to figure out what you're trying to control. Maybe you're trying to control your kids. Maybe it's your grown kids. They're out the house. Maybe it's your spouse. Watch this one. Maybe it's your spouse's schedule. This is one that I see that happens a lot. You do enough marriage counseling, you start hearing it. He always thinks I need to be here at this particular time. She always says I got to do this. Okay. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your image. Don't want to ever look back. Listen, we already know that we're not perfect. We already know that you're not perfect. And if you say, well, I can't go to church today because it's not a good hair today. Good hair day today. Listen, listen, listen to me. It's all right. Put a hat on. 
well, I don't want to be disrespectful. The way you were talking yesterday was completely disrespectful, and you worried about wearing a hat up in church? We're in a cafeteria at an elementary school. If you knew what was on the floor when we got here in the morning, you would change your mind. You would like, I'll wear whatever. That's where I wear tennis shoes. I don't even feel bad for it. Kids all over the place in here wearing tennis shoes every day. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's the future you're trying to control. Listen, I remember when Cynthia and I got married. We, 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 we were so awesome, man. I'm telling you, dude. We were just like, we mapped it out. We had our plan of what we were going to do. It did not include any of this. We had all kinds of stuff written down. We were high-fiving, feeling good. Went out to dinner that night. We felt so good about it. Wrote it down, man. None of it happened. Not a single lick of it happened, man. None of it. And some of you are like, man, y'all are terrible at planning. Maybe we just got really good at following Jesus. Come on. Because I've learned. Listen, I've learned a long time ago. Write your plans in pencil. Because God, he is the one that holds the pen. Amen? you got to write it down. So watch this. Here's the main thing I want you to hear today. I have to choose to surrender and trust God rather than try to control everything and everyone. I have to choose to surrender and trust God rather than try to control everything and everyone. That's tough. Because a lot of times, watch this, i got to step on one more toe here. We pray and ask God to help us control the situation. Lord, give me wisdom to speak to this person in my family so that they will see your ways. And really, and it's like, God, I don't hear you. I don't see you working in my life. And God's like, that's because I ain't going to work according to your plan and according to your schedule. I have to choose. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. I have to choose. Say choose. choose. Say it's a, choice. it's a choice. I have to choose to surrender. So if you were to ask me, hey, Pastor Wade, how do I stop trying to control everything? I would say, make a choice. You say, that's hard. I know. I know it's hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean you don't do it. Amen. Come on. I need better feedback than that. So here we go. Three, three questions that will help you choose surrender over control. Let's wrap up three questions. That's going to help you choose surrender over control. First thing is this. Is it worth my concern? You've got to ask some questions here. Is it worth my concern? With everything going on in your lives, guess what? You got to pick your battles. You got to pick your battles. I knew this one guy, he, he fought about everything. I mean, if there was a battle, he wanted to fight it. And I remember we would talk and he would tell me, I feel like all I do is fight. I was like, well, quit fighting. He's like, that's all I know to do. I was like, you need a nap. I mean, for real. You have to pick your battles. And we don't do a good job of picking our battles. We pick fights about stuff that, like, we pick fights with our spouses that are not real fights. We pick fights with our kids that aren't even worth fighting over. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. We're, we're, we're fighting over things and giving our energy to things that really do not need our energy. I mean, it's not a big deal if they don't vacuum the carpet just like you. Just get the carpet vacuumed. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you have little kids and expect to keep your house spotless, good luck with that. I mean, I'm just being real. 
It, it's it's going to happen. I mean, as soon as you vacuum it, they're coming run put footprints. And you're like, I can't believe it. I try to clean this house all the time. And nobody, no one appreciates me. No, we just live here. <laughs> I'm serious. Look, we get worked up at the house because as soon as we get the kitchen clean after dinner, guess what? A little while later, somebody's coming down to get snacks. Next thing you know, it just looked like they trashed the whole entire place. You know what that means? That means people live there. That's what it means. If there's dishes in the sink when you go to bed, it's all right. Amen, babe? It's all right. I know. Listen. Hey, hold on. I ain't just going to pick on her. I haven't cut my yard in two weeks. Look, we had small group there every week. You ask anybody that was in my group. That yard was clean and cut, edged, everything nice. I ain't cut my yard in two weeks. I'm having issues. This morning I was pulling out. I was like, oh, my God. Work. Got things to do. You got to pick your battles. Handprints on the mirror in the bathroom. Pick your battles. I want to know who touched my mirror. It's in your kid's bathroom. Calm down. What about whenever we put our concern into other people's drama? You know how you do that? You insert your opinion. Once you insert your opinion, you're in. That means you got a part in it. It ain't got nothing to do with you you got to pick your battles. If it's not yours to fix, leave it alone. Listen, some of us, we got older kids, and I know I'm raising teenagers now. I cannot make sure that they do every single little bitty thing to guarantee their success. I just cannot do it. I, I'm still trying to work on my own success. You know what I'm saying? I can teach them. I can train them. I can let them know what they need to do, but it's on them to do it. Right. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? Come on. And this is a challenge for us because I know people who are sitting in there and they're doing it for their kids. They're doing everything. Listen, you know how you learn how to do things? Do it for the first time by yourself. You say, oh, there's better ways. I know there's better ways, but sometimes you just got to choose to do it because it's what you got to do. Yeah. Amen? That's some old school stuff. Don't give your energy to something that doesn't involve you. Now, I, I, I said it like that, but let me give you the, 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 the attitude version. You want it? Mind your own business. <laughs> There's other colorful ways to say it. But you got to mind your business. Take care of your stuff, okay? Is it worth my concern? Here's the second thing. Is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Is it mine? If it's not yours, then it's not yours to control. If it is yours, do something about it. If it's not yours, leave it alone. Amen? Leave it alone, man. If it's a coworker and they got some kind of relationship problem with another coworker, if you're not involved with it, stay out of it. Amen? Stay out of it. Don't try to pick side. I'm going to side with you no matter what. Don't say that. They may stab you in the back along the way. And next thing you know, you're a casualty of war and you're like, oh, no, I got into all this. Go back to number one. Mind your own business. This is the stuff, though, because we feel like we got to be in the know. We got to got we got to be on the scene, you know. We got to check it all out. Some of y'all just need to go to work and go home. Clean your bathroom, man. <laughs> now, let me say this: surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility. You need to hear this because some of y'all are like, fine, I'll just live like I don't care about anything. Some of you would love that. It's all about me. Birthday month. There's no such thing as birthday month, by the way. Calm down. I mean, we're happy you were born, but for an entire month, 
You put your mama through a lot in that month. Anyway, back to this. Do you know that there are some things that God won't do for you? Watch this. God won't make the choice for you. You have to make the choice. Like you have to make the decisions to do the right things. And a lot of times when it comes to control, watch this. We get other people to do the dirty work for us. I was talking to so-and-so. And they're going to talk to so-and-so. Hey, why don't you go? They listen to you all the time. So why don't you go talk to them? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all, you've been through this. Y'all looking at me like, come on, preach that thing like you know it. Like, think of this. If you're tight financially, you need to pray about it. But don't just pray about it. You need to do something. You should get a better budget and cut some things out. Like, Netflix is not priority. I'm not mocking Netflix. I got Netflix. We watch some stuff on there, clean stuff, not MA. We don't watch the mature audience stuff. We don't. I'm just saying. You shouldn't either. But $14.99 a month, you can cut that. That's good gas money. I, I, I'm not picking up. I'm just saying, like, you have to begin to think this way. Because if you're looking at it like, well, money's not adding up, but you can't sacrifice Netflix, you're not doing something about it. Like, this is the real stuff. So, like, if you're tight financial, you need to get a budget. You may also have to get a second job. I know. I don't have time for that. You may have to make time if you're going to continue to live the kind of lifestyle that you're living. Like, like these are the, if you're having marriage problems, try to control the person. It's going to fall apart. I promise you. And listen, the whole happy wife, happy life thing, that is not true. And the whole I'm the king of my castle, it is not true. It all crumbles. I promise you. It all crumbles. And so if you're having marriage issues, somebody needs to say, we need to get some help. And go and see a counselor and get some help. Rather than sitting there and just, oh, I'm going to show him or I'm going to show Quit that. Can I just be pastoral this morning? It's like, quit that. Like, if your kids are crazy and running around acting foolish and you don't discipline them, you got a choice to make. Discipline your children. Don't do it in anger. Do it in faith and in love. Correct them when they're wrong because that's what we do when we love people. We help them get back on the right track. Amen? It's not a sin to correct your kids, and you're not going to crush their life if you correct them for going down the wrong path. Amen? Amen? Like, if you say, meet me over here, this is the way that you go, and I start going the wrong way, you're going to call me and say, where are you going? Well, I'm coming to meet you. You're going to say, that is not the way to go. You need to get on this highway. That's called correction. That's what we have to do with our kids so that they go the way they're supposed to go. Are you, are you guys hearing this today? And so there are some things that we're taking on that don't, it's not even our business that's causing us to neglect things that are our business. Spend all of our time texting on our phones trying to control the situation at work. Get off your phone. Go help your kid. Yeah. Amen? Come on, that's a clapping point. I, I know, this isn't like the most popular message, but this is real stuff, and we're trying to live our lives for Jesus while going crazy at home, going crazy at work. You're not going to reach people doing that. You're not going to be effective. Then people are going to say, and they go to church? They probably ought to go some more. <laughs> for real. Is it mind of control? Handle your business. It's another way to say it. Here's the last thing. Is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? When you try to control what you can't, that's where you get anxious. 
That's where the anxiety kicks in. But when we surrender and give it to God, that's where we can have peace. Listen, I have lingering things going on in my life with the church. Everybody asks about a building all the time. I'm concerned about it, but I'm not worried about it. I'm serious. We have a lot of favor here. Would I love to have a building? In a heartbeat. But I don't believe that that's keeping us from being the church that God wants us to be. Amen? I'm serious. But there are other people that are just convinced that our church won't be able to make it if we don't have a building. And they rent a house. Say things like the church is homeless. We're not homeless, man. Gosh. We're all right. We're going to two services up in this place. So watch this. Let me, let me, let me throw a few questions at you because I need to finish this up. Can you change your spouse? No. But we try to. Oh, I'm going to change that. In the dating thing, oh, I don't like that about I'm going to change that. I don't like the way he dresses. Don't worry. I'm going to change that. Okay. You better go ahead and book a counselor. Can God change your spouse? Yes. Hey, and by the way, you know when you pray and you ask God to change people, you know who he starts with, right? Jesus. Come on. Here's the second. Here's another one. Can you heal your loved one? You can't heal them. God can. Think of this. You can't do it, but God can. That's why it's important to have these questions. Is this for me to handle or is this for God to handle? Can you control your kid's future? Some of you like, yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Listen, set your kids up. Yes. Don't control them. <coughs> set them up. One of the things that Cynthia and I, we prayed about when we started our church, becoming lead pastors of a church, is the real, realization that my kids are going to be preacher's kids. And there's a whole reputation that goes with that. And some of y'all think it's because of what the preachers did to their kids. It's because of what the church members did to them, too. Come on. I know some people. Just the expectations that are unbelievable that they put on the preacher's kids because they're the pastors of the church. And by the way, don't do that to my kids. You and I will have conversations because that is mind control. Just saying. And ain't nobody doing it. I just felt like we needed to say it. But there's always the assumption that the preacher's kid becomes the next preacher. I've seen it happen. And we made it, we, we literally made a covenant that we were not going to do that to our kids and force them into ministry because we're trying to create some kind of family legacy of ministry and all this. Really, it's God, whatever you're going to do with our kids, we just want to set them up to do it. And I don't know what God has in store for my kids. But Cynthia and I are not going to try to manipulate and control and put them in positions to try to do what we do. Because at the end of the day, I want them to be who God wants them to be. Because they're going to be incredibly successful if they choose to do what God wants them to be rather than try to do what I want them to do. And I know we're, we're, we're messing with a lot of parenting things. And some of you as a parent, it messes with you. But as a kid, it also heals you. Because you're like, you know what? This stuff is so true because I had to walk through this. I had to walk through a mom that was trying to do this and play helicopter mom and try to manipulate and cruise direct all my life. And now I'm trying to figure this thing out now. 
And I want you to see that how this stuff is rooted in fear. And the one thing that I think that people are wrestling with more than anything is fear. Fear. When it comes to commitment, we're wrestling with fear. And this is the fear. Fear of missing out. Fear that if I commit to this, I'm going to miss out on something else. That's why people won't commit to God. Because they're afraid if I commit to God, I miss out on what everybody else is doing. Seriously. It's fear-based. And all these different fears are messing with our emotions and pulling our strings, making me feel like i got to do this and make me feel like i got to do that. And therefore, we're not living lives of faith. We're not seeing accomplishments of faith in our life. All we see is results of fear, one fear after another. And last Sunday, we used this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you feel like you got to control it, stop. Pray. God, I'm feeling anxious about this. I'm trying to take it over, but this is not mine to control. So I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking for some help here so that I will stay on track with who I need to be and doing what I need to be doing instead of chasing down all these fears. I've learned this. You're going to do a lot of stuff even though you're afraid. There were fears. I'll be honest. There were fears when we started talking about two services. There were. Because I know the realities of it for every person who is involved and all that it means. But when we had our lead team meeting and we sat down and started talking about two services, everybody like, it's about time. We've been needing to do this. Let's go for it. It's faith steps. It's faith steps. And there are things in your life you're trying to control everything to silence the fears. And the only thing that's going to silence that fear is going to be a faith step. And sometimes that faith step is leaving some things alone. Sometimes that faith step is taking some new things on. You're afraid that if you take that faith step, it's going to throw your life all out of control. When really, it's going to put it in order. Because now you have to depend on God. The rest of that verse, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. And nothing will calm a control freak down like peace. And peace doesn't come from the party going exactly how you want it. That's not peace. That's accomplishment. Peace is knowing that you didn't lose your mind to get it there. That's where you're at peace. Knowing that you didn't do anything crazy to accomplish this, you stayed on the straight and narrow road. And I want to say this, with all of our emotions, we can get our emotions in check. We really can. I believe that we can get our emotions in check when we lean more on our faith than we do following our fears. You say, Pastor, how do I overcome my fears? You're going to have to do some things even though you're scared. You're going to have to have some conversations even though you're scared. You know what my husband would say if I told him we need to go to counseling? He'd probably say, I don't want to go. But that doesn't mean you don't ask. Because what if he says, yeah, I think we need it. But you didn't think he would because you got him all figured out. Seriously. What if? Let's throw it out there. What if? Let's start living by faith instead of by fear. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Wade, I'm struggling with some control stuff. Like I've been trying to control different things, different areas. And 
I need to give it to God. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. you like, have you lost control of yourself, preacher? I think I may have. Trying to control people, your spouse, your kids, other people. Let me say this, and I want you all to look at me. I think a lot of times even though your fears are present and it's motivating you to do something or adrenalizing you to do things, I think it's because you care about it too. And that's noble. Amen? Because you care about it. But sometimes we care so much we take routes we don't need to take. We don't use wisdom. And we take shortcuts. And the thing that we cared about, we wind up hurting it. So I want you guys to lift your hands to the Lord today. And you say, why do you want me to lift my hands? Because this is just a sign of surrender. And Lord, today, we, we've tried to control. We've allowed our fear to control us to make decisions and motivate us to do things. But Lord, today, we give it to you. And I want you who are standing, whatever that situation is, I want you to recite that. God, I give this to you. I give it to you. And listen, you'll probably pray that prayer a thousand more times. You'll probably recite that over and over. God, I give it to you. God, I give it to you. God, I give it to you. Never stop praying that prayer. And Lord, I pray that you will give every person today who is surrendering this to you the grace. The grace to trust you. And allow you to do what needs to be done. Lord, for all the personal responsibilities that we have in these situations, I pray that we will be faithful to take care of it. I pray we will use wisdom. But Father, ultimately, we putting the outcome in your hands, knowing that you use all things to work together for our good. And because of that, and because we know you're good to us, Father, we can trust that whatever the outcome is, you're going to use it for our good. Lord, I just pray that we will be faithful. And trusting in you. So for every person standing here today, I pray for your grace and your peace to be with them. I pray every day they would bring it to you and say, God, I surrender it all to you. In the name of Jesus. I want everyone else to stand in here this morning as we wrap up. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. We pray this prayer every single Sunday. If you're away from God, this prayer is for you today. I want you to repeat it out loud. Say, Dear Lord, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not controlling me. But you give me an invitation and the opportunity today to choose you. So I choose to give you my life, to surrender all of me to you. All of my thoughts, my actions, my tendencies, I'm surrendered to you. And I make the choice today to live my life your way. Thank you for paying the price for all of my sins on the cross so that I could be forgiven and have a fresh start. Today, Lord, I choose you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we wrap up this morning, yeah, you can clap. Always good. As we wrap up this morning, if you're a first-time guest, make sure you check out our Connect Desk today.